0: Welcome to Be Set Free, the radio outreach of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Be Set Free features the teaching ministry of Pastor Nick Cady. Pastor Nick's desire is to bring the gospel into our lives so we can experience the joy and freedom that can only be found through Jesus. Today's message comes from our series Jesus Is. We will be looking at the 7 I Am statements that Jesus made. Here's Pastor Nick.
1: I am the true and better Israel. What Israel was called to be but failed to be, I am. That is what Jesus is saying. Now think about what that means. Essentially, the people of Israel functioned as the gateway to God. As a people, they were, they were the gateway to God. If you wanted to be connected to God, you had to be connected to Israel. They were the ones who were called to be the stewards of the knowledge of God. They were called to administer the sacrifices and run the temple. They were the stewards of the holy scriptures. They were called to be a light to the nation and a gateway to the world so that the world could know God. And yet they failed in this calling. Rather than being outwardly focused, they became inwardly focused. Rather than being a light to the nations, They turned their backs on the nations, and they became self-righteous and focused on themselves. Furthermore, another way that this is true is that the people of Israel were called to be people who, unlike the other nations of the world, they were a people who obeyed and followed God, and through their obedience to God, they were to be a blessing to the nations, and yet this, too, is something they continually failed in. Throughout the Old Testament, you can read, particularly in the prophets, how God rebuked Israel because of their failures to obey him. And so by saying that he is the true vine, Jesus is saying that he is the true and greater Israel. What Israel failed to be, Jesus is. He is the gateway to God. The way to be connected to God is not by being connected to Israel, but by being connected to Jesus, You see, to understand how important that would be for the disciples to hear is really important. Remember, it's the Jewish religious leaders who are about to kill Jesus. It's the Jewish religious leaders who are then going to persecute the early Christians. They will kick them out of the synagogues. They'll excommunicate them for saying that Jesus is the Messiah. And the concern that a Jewish person would have, they would have been worried If I get kicked out of Judaism, then how can I be connected to God? And Jesus is preparing them for that by telling them, I am the true vine. The way to be connected to God is not by being connected to Israel. It's by being connected to me. And also as the true vine, whereas the vine, Israel, failed to obey God perfectly and failed to be a blessing to the nations, Jesus is the true vine who through his perfect obedience to the Father would cause people of all nations to be blessed. We read in the book of Revelation that around the throne of God, there will be people of every tribe, tongue, and nation gathered around. Why? Because of what Jesus did for them through his obedience to the Father. So the vine was a picture of Israel, but Jesus is saying, I am the true vine, the gateway to God, the one through whose obedience people of all nations will be blessed. But that's not all that Jesus is saying here, as he tells us that he's the true vine. The next part of our sentence says, Jesus is the true vine who enables us to be connected to God. It says in verse two, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. By using this image of a vine and its branches, look at what Jesus is doing. He's describing a relationship of absolute dependence Absolute dependence. Think about the different ways that God illustrates the way that he relates to us. For example, we've looked at how God says that he is the shepherd and we are his sheep. In other places, God says that he is a father and we are his children. But this analogy is different because where the other analogies break down, this one seeks to to fill in a gap. You see, although it would be difficult, a sheep can survive without a shepherd. A child can live without a parent, and yet a branch cannot survive without being connected to the vine. So by describing our relationship to him, In this way, Jesus is using an illustration that describes a relationship of absolute dependence and constant connection. Remember, Jesus told his disciples that within the next 24 hours, he's going to die. He's going to the cross and then to the tomb. He's going to rise from the grave, but then he's going to ascend up into heaven. And Jesus is telling them, even though I'm going away, you can still be connected to me. Our relationship isn't going to end just because I leave here physically. In fact, in some ways, it is actually going to be closer than ever before. And he's telling them, not only can you be connected to me after I'm gone, but you need to be connected to me. You will need to depend on me in the same way that a cluster of grapes depends on the vine above it. Think about what Jesus is saying here. If Jesus is the vine and you are the branches— It means that Jesus is not just a a supplement that you can add to your life if you want, right? He's not just a supplement to your life. He is the very source of your life. A cluster of grapes that's not connected to the vine dies, And that, Jesus is saying, that's a picture of how desperately you need him, how much you need him. He isn't just a supplement that you can add to your life. Rather, he must be the source of your life. And apart from him, there is no life. Certainly no everlasting life, but also no true and meaningful life here and now. In verses 4 and 5, Jesus uses the word, abide, In fact, he uses this word nine times in these verses in this chapter, here in chapter 15. The word abide, it means to remain or to stay connected to something or someone. By instructing his disciples and us to abide in him, Jesus is telling us that staying connected to him, it isn't something that just automatically happens It's a choice that you make. It's something you choose to do. Abiding in him is a choice, and it involves actions. So what do you do if you want to abide in Jesus? Well, it's not complicated. It's actually very practical. Think about it. What do you do if you want to foster or build a relationship with anybody? You talk to them. You listen to them. If they write things to you, you read those things You recognize your place in relation to that person. If they're in a place of superiority, you submit to them. Anybody you want to have a closer relationship with, you spend time with that person. Something I've learned in relationships is this principle. Intimacy is created through shared experiences. Intimacy is created through shared experiences. Now, that's true when it comes to your family. That's true when it comes to your friends. It's also true... In regard to your relationship with God. If you want to deepen a relationship, then you need to create some shared experiences, shared memories. And the way to deepen your relationship with God is similar. It's by having more and more shared experiences with Him. Maybe that means times of prayer or worship, studying His Word. Maybe there are times of stepping out in faith or in obedience to what God says to do. Maybe it's stepping out to do his work in some way by serving or giving or sharing or sharing your faith. As you do those things, you're creating shared experiences with God. And those shared experiences, on the one hand, they create opportunities for dependence, but they also create, they lead to intimacy, Abiding in Christ, it's not some super mystical thing like, okay, I'm going to squint my eyes and abide in Christ like right now. No, no, no. It's simple and it's practical. God, I want to connect with you. I want to hear from you. I want to talk to you. I want to build a relationship with you by doing what you tell me to do. So I'm going to take action to do those things. That's what it means to abide in Christ. And as you abide in him, he promises that he will abide in you, it'll be mutual. Jesus is the true vine who enables us to be connected to God because he is God. And to be connected to him is to be connected to God. He's not just a supplement that's there to improve your life. Rather, he is the source of life. And apart from him, there is no life. Look at what he says in verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. In other words, there is a dire consequence for not being connected to Jesus. The result of not being connected to Jesus is actually to be cut off. It leads to death and destruction. This is what Paul the Apostle describes in his second letter to the Thessalonians, where he says this, that those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, those who do not know God and don't obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, they will suffer the punishment Of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and the glory of his might. Jesus talked about this in the Sermon on the Mount. He said that on the last day, many people will come to him and they will expect to enter into heaven, but they will not enter into heaven, Jesus says, because he will say to them, I never knew you. They never had a relationship. But for those who do know him, for those who are connected to him through faith and in relationship, rather than being cut off, rather than death and destruction, they will have life everlasting. But abiding in Jesus isn't only the way for us to be connected to God. It's also the way for us to have a fruitful and meaningful life here and now. That brings us to the next part of our sentence. Jesus is the true vine who enables us to be connected to God and to have a fruitful life. So a branch that's connected to the vine, if it's healthy, it will bear fruit. Notice there's a progression here in verses 2 and into verse 5. So in verse 2, we start reading about a branch, and on that branch, there is no fruit. Then we read that the vine dresser comes, and he tends to that branch so that it can bear some fruit. And then by verse 5, he says that his desire is that it would bear much fruit if it abides in him. So do you see that progression? No fruit to some fruit to much fruit. That's what God wants in your life, that you would be increasingly fruitful. Now, what does it mean to be fruitful? A fruitful life is a life that produces good things that are a benefit to others, it produces good things that are a benefit to others, that are life giving to others. A fruitful life is a life that has meaning and purpose. Think about it. The purpose of a grapevine is to produce grapes, but a branch that doesn't produce grapes isn't fulfilling its purpose. And so a fruitful life is a life that produces good things and has meaning and purpose. Don't you want that kind of life? Weeds are, are plants that essentially consume minerals and nutrients, but don't produce any fruit, or maybe they produce Fruit is poisonous or not good. God wants you to be connected to Him, and as you are living in an abiding relationship with Him, the result will be that you will become more and more healthy, and as you flourish, good fruit will be produced from your life. You know what's something I've noticed? I've noticed this and with myself. I've noticed it with other people. Sin, it makes you weird. You know that? Like, no, I'm not kidding. It makes you weird, you know? Like, uh, when you're involved in sin, right, when you're caught up in it, when other people are, it changes the way you think, and it changes the way you act and relate to people, and it makes you weird, okay?
0: Are you looking for a resource to help you answer some of the most difficult questions about God in the Bible? Then we've got good news for you. Pastor Nick has written a book called The God I Won't Believe In, facing nine common barriers to embracing Christianity. In this book, Pastor Nick deals directly with some of the biggest questions people struggle with, such as how a loving God can allow innocent people to suffer, whether God condone genocide in the Old Testament, or whether the Bible encourages the suppression of women and minorities. Does the Bible really say that some kinds of love Wrong, And is there any actual proof that God exists or that the Bible is trustworthy? Pastor Nick addresses these topics and more in this book, which is a great resource for anyone who wrestles with doubts or has concerns about these topics. And it is a great resource for those who want to help others who have questions about these topics. So to purchase this book, search for The God I Won't Believe In, facing nine common barriers to Christianity, wherever books are sold, or visit nickcady.org. To celebrate the release of this book, we are offering a free copy of the book as our gift to any of our listeners who make a donation of any amount to support Beset Free Radio at besetfreeradio.com. And now, back to today's message.
1: But as you're abiding in Christ, what happens is you become more and more healthy, Things get, things get set right in your mind and in your life, and it causes you to flourish. And as you, as you do that, as you become more healthy, as you flourish, you begin to bear fruit, and it's life-giving, and it's beneficial to others as well. And look what it says in verse 8. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples." See, bearing fruit is the visible evidence to others that you are abiding in Christ and it brings glory to God when they see that spiritual fruit in your life. You know, what what does that fruit look like on a practical level? Well, in Galatians chapter five, we're given a list of the fruits of the spirit, right? It says the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are the fruits of the Spirit. But they aren't the only ones. You know, there are other things listed in the Bible that are also called fruits of of being connected to God in this abiding relationship. For example, holiness is a fruit that's produced in your life as you're connected to God. Good works are a byproduct of being connected to the Lord. Generosity, right? These are the things that are formed in you and produced in your life as a result of you abiding in Christ. The good work that He produces in your life is actually that work that He does to make you more and more like Him. See, whether or not you are ever wealthy in your life, whether or not you're ever successful in monetary terms or in the eyes of this world, The measure of a meaningful life is to produce much fruit that brings glory to God and can be a blessing to others. I have this apple tree uh, next to my house. It's actually my neighbor's yard, but it leans over like my driveway and drops apples on my car and dents my hood. Right. But the the thing about the thing that's interesting about this apple tree is that whenever I, I walk by it, it never makes any noise. It doesn't, right? Like, uh, it produces a ton of apples. And one of my favorite things to do in the fall is, you know, on the, your lawnmower, you can open up that thing on the side that shoots the grass out. I try to run over the apples and see if I can, how far I can shoot them out of the thing. It's fun. If you haven't done it, the, just a pro tip there for you. But listen, the thing that's interesting about this apple tree is it's producing all this fruit. But whenever I walk by it, I never hear it making any noise, right? You never walk by an apple tree, and it's like, ugh! Right? It never does that. Why? Because here's the thing. It's healthy, and as it's healthy, it produces this fruit, not with a ton of effort. Uh, It just produces it without striving, without struggling. It just happens naturally. And that's the picture that Jesus gives here as well. Jesus doesn't say, notice, he doesn't say, strive to produce more fruit, right? Here's the list. Now do it. Focus. Get to work. More joy, more peace. Now do it. Here's your job. Why aren't you doing it better? All right, look at what he says. He doesn't say, Focus on producing more fruit. He says, abide in me. And as you do, the fruit will take care of itself. In other words, we're talking about seeking joy. We're talking about how do you have a meaningful life? How do you produce these good things in your life that make your life meaningful? Here's the answer. A meaningful life. Here's the irony. Some people think, I need to strive to make my life meaningful. No, no, no. Jesus says, you want to have a meaningful life? Here's what you do. Abide in me abide in me, I'll give you a meaningful life. I'll make your life meaningful. You you want to experience joy in your life? Here's the way to have the joy that your heart desires. It isn't by constantly seeking, you know, to produce joy in your life. No, no. The way to find the joy that your heart desires is by abiding in him. The fruit will take care of itself. And and as we read in verse 2, notice this, the vine dresser God will come into your life in order to make your life more fruitful. And what that looks like sometimes is it looks like pruning. Pruning, which means cutting away things, right? Cutting away the stuff that's not helping you, the stuff that's dead weight, that's just holding you down and keeping you back. Sometimes God in his grace and his love for you will come and he'll remove those things so that you can be more fruitful And sometimes we're afraid of that process, right? We're afraid, oh no, what is God going to take away from me? What's he going to cut off from my life? But listen, the only things he wants to take from you are the things that are holding you back and keeping you down from being more fruitful. He wants you to be more fruitful. Why? And you know what? It's better... Therefore, to surrender to that process because of the next part of our sentence, which says, Jesus is the true vine who enables us to be connected to God, to have a fruitful life, and to experience lasting joy. Look what he says in verse nine. As the Father has loved me, so I love you. You know, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. What an incredible statement. As the Father has loved me, So I have loved you. Jesus could have said, like, in the same way that a mother loves her child, that's how I love you. Or, you know, uh, the, the way that a husband loves his wife, that's how I love you. And those images would have been very powerful images that would have told us how much Jesus loves us, but that's not what he said. Do you realize there's nothing greater than this, right? He says, as the father loves the son so I have loved you. That is the strongest form of love that exists in the entire universe. The love between the Father, Father, the, God the Father, and God the Son. It is personal. It is close. It is unwavering. And Jesus says, that is how much I love you. That's how much I love you. Now, abide in my love You know, love isn't the only characteristic of Jesus. There are other characteristics. He's powerful, he's wise, he's all-knowing, but Jesus doesn't say, abide in my power. He doesn't say, abide in my wisdom. He doesn't say, abide in my knowledge. No, he says, abide in my love. So friends, what that means is the love of God is there for you, it's extended to you, but it's your choice to abide in it. Maybe you're wondering, well, what does that even mean? Like, abide in his love. thats so ambiguous, right? Like, how do I abide in his love on Monday, right? Like, how do I know if I'm doing it? How do I do that practically? Great question. And Jesus answers it directly in the very next verse, verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. It's It's not a secret. That's how you do it. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and I abide in his love, The way to abide in Jesus' love. Here's what it means practically to do what he says. This is how Jesus, he says, this is how I express my love for the Father. And so for you to abide in my love, Jesus says, practically speaking, it simply means this for you to do what I say. It means to surrender yourself wholly over to him, to say, as you wish, not my will be done in my life, but your will be done in my life. That is the essence of worship is to surrender yourself over to him. Now let me ask you this. Think about this. This is just a little thought challenge for you. When was the last time when you chose not to do what you felt like doing or what you wanted to do, and you chose instead to do what Jesus says? See, that, that's, I'll tell you what, that's the essence of following Jesus. When you say, I want to do this, I feel like doing this, but I'm not going to. I'm going to do what Jesus says instead. It hurts a little bit when you do that, right? When you die to yourself, when you say no to yourself and instead choose to do what Jesus says. But you know what happens? When you deny yourself, when you choose to obey the Lord, it doesn't lead to less joy in your life. It leads to more joy. Look at verse 11. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. The end result of abiding in Jesus, the end result of surrendering your life over to him, the end result is joy. God loves you. He wants you to have a meaningful and a joyful life. And so he says, here's how to get it. Abide in me. Abide in my love. Trust me enough to do what I say. And the end result will not be less joy. It will be more joy. Jesus is the true vine who enables us to be connected to God, to have a meaningful life, and experience lasting joy, and here's the last part, if we abide in him, if we abide in him. Remember, abiding is a choice. And so the question that this passage leaves us with today is this, will you make the choice to abide in him? Friends, the message of the gospel is that Jesus Christ came into the world so that you could be connected to God. He lived a life of perfect obedience, but on the cross, he was cut off, And cast away. He was cut off and cast away. He received the judgment for sins, not his own sins, but for the sins of you and me. We deserve to be cut off because we haven't always abided in God's love. None of us have obeyed him perfectly. And yet, because of his great love for you, Jesus took your place in judgment so that you could have life in him. That is his gift to you. It's a gift that you receive by faith in Jesus and what he did for you. And so today, I invite you to respond to the love of Jesus by making the choice to abide in him. Friends, Jesus is the true vine who enables us to be connected to God, to have a meaningful life, and to experience lasting joy if we abide in him. Would you please bow your heads with me and let's pray.